Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Aisling. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie, we put them to both feminist and inclusive tests. Then we ask the most important question of them all. Is the movie good? good. And no, this is not a musical. That's the next one for Disney Dives. Ashley, like, shamelessly plugging our Disney Dives podcast. We're doing Hamilton, so you should definitely Uh, check it out. Yeah, what y'all don't understand is, is we're recording both of these episodes July 4th weekend, and Ashley is a Canadian, and she's like, too much American Revolution, it, It's true. It too was much. so much this weekend. It was, because it was, Gracie was like, um, <laughs> Gracie on Canada Day was like, hey, do you want to watch The Patriot? And I was like, fuck no. Fuck no. That is the last to movie. To be fair. I am watching to be fair. Canada Day. Let, let, let's be real here. To be fair, Hamilton was not supposed to come out until October of next year. And we had already scheduled this way back in, like, February for, you know, and we had gotten to the point where it was time to record this episode. It just happened to fall, like, a month before it comes out, which is July 4th weekend. Was it really <laughs> supposed to be, like, not this, like, October of not this year, but the next year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then they yeah, but we're not here to talk about Hamilton. Mm. We're here to talk about another American Revolutionary <laughs> War movie. And this is called The Patriot because you know, we've had bad movie month, but with the Rona still giving everybody hell and cases going up by the thousands every day, especially in the US. Well, that's the thing. We know, like we don't come out with this episode <laughs> for a full on month. Right. Um, so, and according to yesterday's calculations, there were 10,000 cases in Florida alone. So we're assuming that it's still ongoing a month from now when you guys are listening to us in the future. Um, do, do you want to do you want to play a game? No, no, I, I just want to leave the real world behind for a little while. Wait, you don't want to you I, don't want to guess how many people die in a month? No. OK. I, I really don't. I, it's it's too dark for me. I actually just want to talk about this movie. But like, so like, uh, again, so so of course we've already done bad movie month. You guys have just listened to all that stuff. We ended with Coyote Ugly. Angelina and I had decided way back in March when this stuff started going on that we wanted a good palate cleanse of like bad movies, but we didn't want to do two bad movie months in a row specifically. So that's why we decided to do Roland Emmerich movies. <laughs> Which is like two bad movie months. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. I mean, Roland Emmerich, for what it's worth, he has a huge career. He's made bank on a lot of movies. But a lot of his movies kind of suck. And we're going to talk about his epic historical fiction. That's the thing, though. People Patriot. like straight up love his stuff like he is very i i love white house down is it a direct ripoff of die hard yes do i care no is that the... it's a popcorn movie i think i've seen which we're doing one. next week i think we're doing it next week it's in it's in the list of stuff to do this week and we're doing one more historical fiction one where he does one based on uh william shakespeare's life i think it's called anonymous yeah but w- Anyway, this intro has gone on long long enough. 
Let's get into it. So today we're doing The Patriot, which came out in 2000, which I was surprised by because of how schlocky it is with the patriotism. Yeah. I was surprised it actually came out before 9-11. So there's that. Um, It was directed, of course, by... Don't you know that America has always been... Schlocky? Uh, well, no, I don't want to say schlocky, but it definitely is a circle jerk of patriotism. <laughs> this movie is really that. Like, when we talked about it on our Pearl Harbor episode, that was one thing. This this isn't as bad as Pearl Harbor. I'll, I'll say that. It is not as bad as Pearl Harbor. But somehow worse in the fact that it got way more historically inaccurate than Pearl Harbor did. Um, anyway, directed by Roland Emmerich, written by Robert Roday, who's only worked on a few things, which include Tall Tale um, and Thor The Dark World, which is the worst Thor movie. And he also did Saving Private Ryan. Like, that's his tour de force. Um, best work. Okay. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. I haven't watched it in a long time, but the opening scene alone is probably the most horrifically realistic portrayals of the Battle of Normandy. So, yeah, I'll give him credit where it's due. That's a good movie. Uh, This movie stars Mel Gibson, anti-Semite, drunk, raving madman who is proof that cancel culture doesn't work. Are you crazy? I mean... What? I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, has he had a career since that happened? Jodie Foster, Jodie Foster gave him a role in a movie. Okay, yeah, but did that movie do well? No, it was about a guy who talked to a beaver. Exactly. But he's still respected, is what I'm saying. There are still people who respect him, despite the fact that he told his wife that he hoped she got raped by a pack of N-words. Oh. He is a terrible human being oh no like i (laughs) completely agree right Uh, yeah you know what you are right because he did end up um directing a movie that won two academy awards so you're right yeah cancel culture does not work um he's proof then we have uh heath ledger as gabriel martin rest in peace uh heath ledger's been in a lot of stuff most notably uh you know, The Dark Knight, but he was also in 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, we've talked about him before on the podcast when we talked about Brokeback Mountain, which was a fantastic movie. Um, then we have Julie Richardson. She plays Charlotte Selton. Julie Richardson was in uh, a few things. She's done a lot of period pieces. Um, she was in Event Horizon. Uh, she was in Lady Shatterley's Lover. Um Oh my god, I forgot she played Catherine Parr in The Tudors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, oh, and she was um, also in the Titanic Blood and Steel uh, miniseries. Oh, that was the one that so, was not good. There, well, during that, like, <laughs> the 100th anniversary, like, for some ungodly reason, there were so many, like, Titanic things that just suddenly mm-hmm. all came out, and most of them were not great. Like, the guy who did Downton Abbey did a Titanic miniseries, and it's not a, like, it's kind of <laughs> crap. Oh, oh, um, I love her, however, as Anita in the 101 Dalmatians live action, so. Oh, and that's the other thing, too. Like, she, 
she's from like the the Richardson Redgrave like family, right? So yeah, for the um, theatric um, family. And her sister her sister was Natasha Richardson who passed away and was married to Liam Neeson. Yeah. So yeah, she's from an acting family. Uh, also in this movie is Jason Isaacs as Colonel William Tavington. Jason Isaacs played Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter, which was written by someone I don't know. Um, yeah, can you can you believe that a seven book series was written by someone anonymously? I hope they're not a turf. Yeah, it would be horrible if they were a turf. Um, Chris Cooper plays Colonel Harry Burwell. Chris Cooper has been in things like Adaption, August Osage County, Breach, American Beauty. Uh, I'm trying to see. Uh, Checky Cario plays Jean Villeneuve. Uh, I did not say that last name correctly. He's been in The Core and La Femme Nikita, which is a French film, obviously. Uh, he's recently been in The Name of the Rose as... Pope Giovanni the Twelfth. Um, I'm assuming that's a French TV show that Americans can't watch. Uh, I'm trying to see. Oh, Tom Wilkinson is the last person I'll mention. Uh, he plays General Lord Charles Cornwallis. He was in an episode that we did recently on Belle. He was her adopted father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's also been in The Full Monty and The Grand Budapest Hotel. Now, this movie had a budget of about $110 million. It made $113 million domestically and about uh, $215 million worldwide. Uh, Now the Rotten Tomatoes score. 61% critical, 81% audience. When I saw that, I was very disappointed. Now... Before we actually talk about the plot, um, I'm going to be honest. This might be... You're looking at the timestamp. You know how long it is. This movie is about my home state. This is a movie that I watched in eighth grade when we took our South Carolina history uh, course. Um, I had a real emotional attachment to it as a kid being stupid and not understanding how history worked. And... I'm here to say that this movie is one of the worst historically accurate films I have ever seen. Well, that's the thing. Like, when I looked it up, it's, like, the main character is not just based off of one American revolutionary figure, but, like, four or five. My favorite thing is there's this user review on IMDb. I'm not their 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 review is huge. It's literally like six paragraphs. But their title: ten percent historical drama, thirty percent flag waving sentimentalism, and sixty percent Mad Max equals one hundred percent twaddle. Oh my god! It was basically like Mad Max, but like America. Yeah, and I found this really great YouTuber who, um, I think his name is Brian F. Uh, I'll, I'll give Ajeline the link when she posts this so you can see his thing, but he is doing a breakdown of this entire film, and he had a two-hour video on how Benjamin Martin is a terrible character. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched the majority of it, and I gotta say, 
he really laid into whoever wrote this movie. Um, Mr. Redette. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so movie starts, right? You get this very idyllic country scene. There's <laughs> farm workers. Farm workers, yes. Quote unquote, because they're free. You find out later that they're free slaves. Um, for the sake of historical accuracy, Benjamin Martin is based on Francis Marion, who was a brigadier general in the Continental Army. And he owned about 200 slaves. Yes, his plantation was burned down, but he ended up recompensating by buying more slaves after the Revolutionary War. And he was also tasked with finding slaves who ran away to join the British Army. But, you know, Benjamin Martin has freed slaves working for him. Oh, but he's a good white person. He's a good white boy. Yeah. Um, I I will say, though, I love that uh, Robert Ebert was like, none of it has much to do with historical reality of the Revolutionary War. It really doesn't. Because it doesn't. Um, Okay, so, yeah, we, um, we come to this scene where it's, you know, all happy black people working in Oh my god. god. And even worse is there's a mammy figure. Yes. Abigail is like a house servant because she's not a slave. This movie's woke, you guys. She's not a slave. She works there freely taking care of white children as a motherly figure. Um, Of the... Yeah. Yeah. I... And she's, you know, they're all really happy you know, oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're 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 really happy. They're living that life. People. They're they're happy because they're working for their good <sighs> white person employer who treats them like one of their uh, like, like like equals. Like equals. You know, historical context means zero, zero. Like I'm gonna be real with you guys. Even if there were free, there were free black people back then um racism was super bad (laughs) and i highly doubt that benjamin martin uh or uh whatever like i highly doubt that this is well that's the thing in any way accurate even abolitionists were like still pretty racist. oh harriet harriet beecher stowe huge racist wrote probably the single greatest literary example as to what caused the abolition movement movement to explode before the civil war was a huge racist yeah like so that's the thing abolitionists a good chunk of them were still racist um abraham lincoln huge racist yep um okay so we've got this right and they're living their happy life but you know his son Keith Ledger is, like, not happy because he wants to go off and fight, like, all the other boys for the Continental Army. And, of course, um, what's-his-face, Benjamin, he he fought in the French and Indian War, which was not called the French... Historically, be called Seven Years' War because they were Britain. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And he's also a widower, and he's got seven children, which means his wife was popping out babies like there was no tomorrow but that's why she died honestly like 
Oh, yeah. The age range between the, the kids is like a year and a half between each one. She didn't have time to breathe. No. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, seven kids. That's a lot of kids. And, it, and like, I kept saying, because, you know, some stuff happens, like, later on. And I was just like, yeah, we still got, like, five kids left. It's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty good, good for 1780. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> none of them died in, like... They didn't die at birth, so, like, I mean, cool. That's that's good. Um, that's <laughs> awful to say, but... Anyway, so he is called to Charleston to vote in the South Carolina General Assembly on the levy of supporting the Continental uh, Army. And, of course, mm-hmm. fearing war against Great Britain, he does not want to. The vote is okay. meaningless. Okay. Historical context, again, matters. Okay. Um... In, in this scene in particular, one of the guys are like, yes, but this is not South Carolina's war. Okay, the year is 1776. Okay, there were already battles between the militia and the British in South Carolina at this point. Most notably, the Battle of Sullivan's Island. So, they were already at war. It just wasn't on paper. So I feel like the mistake was setting it in the year 1776, because at this point, the argument that, oh, we should, you know, speak to King George, like, the Olive Branch Treaty happened in 1775 and was met with basically George just spitting on it and sending it back with a loogie going, no. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, it would have been, would have made more sense for Ben's arguments if he had done it the year before like at this point nobody was really arguing that anymore because there was already war and then he says some stupid shit like i'm a parent i haven't the liberty of of uh principles or something like that dude do you think only men who have no children fight in a war (laughs) um i i just so stupid like it's so dumb. Well, I think this is it's like, okay, and, and I know I've said this many times before, but the reason why this is so popular with, like, middle-aged white dudes is because... Self-insert character. Because Benjamin is a self-insert character. He is supposed to be a good white guy. Moralistic. Yeah, moralistic. He's good to his children. You know, he's... His daughters are being taught how to read, I guess. So, you know, he he's a good father. He loves his children. You know, they show the part where he's trying to build a rocking chair and it breaks because, you know, he has to have some humanity and his children are laughing. <laughs> and, you know, so, of course, everybody, like, looks at this. Every, like, middle-aged white dude. At this time, they would have been, like, 30, 40, and they're like, yeah, he's just a good dad doing what he can for his family because his wife's dead yeah like it's so bad it's it's so bad um so what uh oh god what's his name the colonel colonel burwell Mm -hmm. who incidentally is based on the historical character henry lee the father of robert e lee uh in the original in the original script actually i found this out from that video that i was watching um in the original script he actually was named henry lee and um the name was gonna be robert um 
because you know oh um, <laughs> oh yeah well no his name wasn't going to be henry lee but he was going to have the last name lee and he's like oh yeah we had a son we named him robert and because you know and robert e lee the confederate war hero was it was oh okay like am i shaking you no but like because they named their child after gabriel right Mm -hmm. so it was benjamin's that wasn't in the original script okay that wasn't in the original script they changed it in the final revisions to where burwell's last name is burwell instead of lee and then changed it to honoring Gabriel with the name of their firstborn son. But Harry Burwell is a sit-in for Henry Lee, who historically was the father of Robert E. Lee. So there you go. How about that? See, when you say all like this American history, like our American friends out there are going, yes, that is what happened. Ashlyn's like, I'm Canadian. I don't give a fuck. It's true. <laughs> I like I know about the American Revolutionary War. Dirty traitors. Um, but <laughs> ungrateful colonial right. <laughs> <laughs> ungrateful colonials. Um, but nevertheless sorry, I'm like I'm thrown off by myself. Um, <laughs> okay. So yeah, but Benjamin's son Gabriel is like I'm gonna go and join the army and join the militia. Yeah, and then calls his dad a coward. I mean... You're a coward, dad. Well... And it's true. He is hiding behind his kids to... Like, it's okay if you don't want to fight in the war. You can just say so. But, you know, like... Well, you have to also think, like, his character, because at this point, like, just basing it off of, like, how old Mel Gibson was at the time period, right? Yeah, he's in his mid-40s. Yeah, so he'd be, like, a 45. And 45... Like at this time, tw- like whatever. That's old. That's that was old to like fight in the military. Like it's it's mm-hmm. pretty old now. Like in World War Two, forty five was too old. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they don't tell you when you watch Saving Private Ryan. Is most of the most of the kids in the army were literal kids. In oh, the it's army. true. Like as soon as you turned eighteen, <laughs> and there was some you were conscripted. And it's not just that too. Like it's like. Uh, there's some people who you they they join the military when they turn 17 like you're able to mm-hmm. if your parents sign off right yeah um so because i knew somebody who did and i remember being like um the like fuck? oh why like why would you do that but then i joined the military so i'm not one to talk um and that's how i met that chick that wait never mind um sorry this is so dumb i i went to like a american um cadet camp and that's where that Uh story comes from when i was in cadets so cool yeah anyways sorry uh off track again um yeah so then we flash forward what is supposed to be four years later two no it says four on wikipedia are you telling me that wikipedia is wrong yeah wikipedia is wrong it was two years fine Okay. Two years. Okay. Two years later has happened, and the fighting, um, suddenly there's a battle going on right near Benjamin Martin's farm, um, and Gabriel ends up coming into the house injured with a slash to the stomach, 
And so Benjamin's like, okay, that's cool. We'll take care of you. It's all great. No big deal. Well, the next day, uh, you know, instead of keeping his children out of danger, he decides to become a field hospital and his children are helping all of these injured soldiers, both the Redcoats and the Continental Army. And to be fair, he probably got asked to do it. Yeah. Like he didn't didn't make that decision. The the army came and they're like, yeah, so this is a field hospital now. And he was like, I guess. Okay. Well, that's how it was. That's why there's an amendment in the Constitution saying that, um, I think it's, I can't remember which one it is exactly. It's in the Bill of Rights. Where basically a house is not, like, you don't have to give up your house for quartering Um, of soldiers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure which one it is. It's like the fifth one, I think. Yeah. Because I think fourth is is um, unwarranted search and seizure. So I think it's the fifth one is where you can't force someone to give up their home for military use, basically. Oh, and um, that's, like, just in your constitution? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. They don't really talk about that one. They talk about, like, the one to bear arms all the time, so that's the only yeah, one I really know. Speech. Oh, and free speech. <laughs> even though free speech isn't free, because people have the free speech to tell you to go fuck off. It's kind of like, um, the right to bear arms will not be infringed, except you can't, uh, own tanks and, um you know, rocket launchers. But I want a tank and I want a rocket launcher. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. That's not you fair, wanna know crazy. why? The Russians you know are why. allowed to have them. Why not us American? Well, I'm not American, but why not <laughs> us North Americans? Why can't I have a tank or a rocket launcher? The police have those things. <sighs> they do. Who <laughs> boy. Um, so yeah, like it's turned into a field hospital. <laughs> And all of a sudden, we meet Jason Isaacs, who is Colonel William Tavington. He's actually supposed to be Bloody Tarleton, who was a British um, commander uh, in the Revolutionary War. Bloody Tarleton was one of the first to initiate what was called Total War, where he would um, target civilians and civilian populations in order of the colonists that he was fighting against. So, yeah, like, he was an evil dude, but not as evil as the movie makes him. <laughs> oh, no, this man is um, cartoonishly evil. Cartoonishly also, evil. Also, like, the real general... Nothing of... The, the real huh? guy ended up living until, like, 1833. Oh, yeah, he got to live with his war crimes. But yeah, um, like, he, he was a... So... He became a politician, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He's got the same last name as, like, uh, as somebody who is kind of famous now. Carlton? Yeah. Isn't that guy um, who was in the King's, uh, the King's uh, Knight or whatever? The King's Spy or something? The one with uh, Mr. Darcy in it. You mean the Kingsman? Yeah, that one. Oh, the guy who plays um, the main guy is got the same last name. I don't think so. That's Egerton. Oh, it's Taryn Egerton. Yikes! Yeah, I'm dumb. yeah, you messed up. That's <laughs> okay. real dumb. <laughs> to be fair, Taryn Egerton together does sound like Tarleton, kinda. Not really. Not but really. I was trying to save you. <laughs> I'm just. Um, you know what? 
give me a break here. I don't know British stuff and I don't know American stuff. I just know that like Canada was a place. It's still, <laughs> it's still it's fucked. Okay. Um, Ashley's had to record like four episodes of a podcast today. She's burnt out, and we still have one more to go. It's true. I'm not throwing um, away my shot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what ends up happening is uh, not Charlton. Tavington shows up, played by Jason Isaacs, and he's like. Hmm, these men gave quarter to the enemy. Burn the house, kill the livestock. Uh, and then he finds the papers that Gabriel had sent, because Gabriel's a messenger. And Gabriel's like, oh, that was me. And so he's like, hmm, arrest him, hang his body, put it on display. Even <laughs> though he doesn't really have the ability to do that. Are, like, are they... you would get a court martial. Are you allowed to, like kill the messenger like that's kind of a thing you're not supposed yeah. to do yeah that's actually something that the guy in that video that I was talking about said he's like realistically since Benjamin Martin is someone who is seen to have had sympathy for not going to war and is a landed gentleman like this movie could have been so simply done if when Gabriel had been arrested and his son Thomas killed because what ends up happening is Gabriel gets arrested and Thomas runs down to try and save his brother and then Tavington shoots him. Now if this had happened Martin could have went directly to Lord Cornwallis because he obviously knows a lot about uh, like warfare conduct. Yeah. And he and Cornwallis obviously like fucking hates Tavington. So if Martin would have went to General Cornwallis and told him the situation, he would have probably gotten Gabriel freed without any issue. Yeah. Like, but that's not but how that's this not movie what works. Oh, okay. And the other thing I have to say is the part where they're like, yeah, well, they're going to capture Gabriel and then hang him as a spy. And then they also take captive of the black free men and women they that were there them they into... force them and of course the, all the the black people are like no we love working here we don't want to leave Ooh. and it just like it's it left a real sour taste in my mouth where i was like that's because that's not that's, that's like what they, they because yeah. really realistically speaking they would be slaves like, if this was actually... Realistically speaking, they would be slaves. And they would have jumped at the opportunity more than likely. More than likely would have jumped at the opportunity at the promise of freedom. Because the British were at least a little less racist. A- a- at least in that, like, not really less racist, but they less were still racist, to keep but they were like, Yeah, well, we'll give you your freedom if you fight for us. And I'm then they would have been like, sure. what? Freedom? I'm pretty sure that the British actually had made an edict um, basically saying slavery was no longer legal in the colonies. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm... Are you trying to I say that to the American Revolution, Revolution, just like the Civil War, was because of slavery? I'm just saying it wasn't maybe just the sugar tax that was a problem. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, I don't quote me on this. I... Oh, God, now I gotta look it up just to make sure that I'm right. But I remember reading something about that. England frees slaves in um, 
American. Well, we know how that goes for people in the South. You free slaves, they get real mad. Yeah. They're still Um, mad. It's... They're still mad. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't find it right here, um, but don't quote me on it. Like, well, don't quote me on it, but I do believe I remember reading something about that where they basically were like cutting off slavery. So uh, as a punishment for the people rising up against them. Okay. So, so that's when um, like Thomas dies, even though Thomas was like, he was on board. He wanted to go and fight, too, even though he was definitely too young. He is killed, and then their house is burned to the ground, and all the wounded Americans are executed because war crimes. And, of course, Y'all. after the British leave, that is when Benjamin, who is one man, one man must go and save his oldest son. So he takes his two like eldest his the next things. two eldest sons I, I have things to say gives them rifles already okay yep um first of all there was a very offhanded joke that the middle son said at the dinner table that we kind of glossed over okay where he's like they'll kill all the men lord only knows what they'll do to you women He's 12. Why does he know about something like that? Also, why is he saying that to his eight-year-old sisters? Like His eight- and three-year-old sisters. Yeah, like, (laughs) Like, those are children. And I mean, I I know that there's horrible war atrocities that happen. But why did he say that? Yeah, why would he say that? And also, I, like, gross. Um... Not to mention, why did Benjamin leave his daughters by their dead brother and didn't give either of them a weapon? Like, no. The, like, one of the boys is at least the same age as the, like, eight or nine year old daughter, right? Like, he's probably even younger than her. Oh, or maybe yeah. he's right at eight years old. Like, maybe she's 10, right? So he's telling this 10 year old, hey, Take your little sister and your baby brother and go to your Aunt Charlotte's without a weapon um, by themselves when there's no telling what sort of atrocities the English soldiers are going to do when you've just told us that the English soldiers are killing uh, wounded men and burning down houses and killing livestock just because they helped the, co- the colonial army, army um, with their injuries. Yeah. Um, it's it's a dumb decision. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I would have maybe brought your children to the aunt's house first. Right, do that first. Do that you first, know? but then go hog wild on, like... And that's another thing, too. Like, Benjamin's whole thing is he wants to protect his children from war, and then he's actively involving his 12-year-old and 8-year-old son in a war by forcing them to kill people. Oh, yeah, like, he straight up, he goes, <laughs> runs upstairs, takes his rifles, and he's, like, it's almost like Last of the Mohicans, where he yeah. has, like, six or seven rifles on Dude, him. Dude, he is strapped. Like, he is strapped <laughs> and ready for battle, right? 
Like, he's been ready for a long time, which, you know, is a parallel to the American man, because there are <laughs> a lot of American men out there that are strapped with, like, a lot of guns, and they are ready for battle. Um, okay. True. So he gives a, he gives the children, because that's what they are, they're children, rifles to ambush the British, British, right? Who are escorting the captive, um, his, like, son, right? So we see um, Benjamin go straight, like, uh, like he went, what, like, Last of the Mohicans, like, but it, Daniel Day-Lewis in fucking Last of, wait, no, that's the wrong guy, isn't it? No. Oh, it is Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis. Day-Lewis is he, Last of the Mohicans. Okay, right? yeah, goes straight, like, does the exact same thing, like, there is no parallel, it's the same thing, and, <laughs> um, and, like, he kills as many soldiers as possible, and, like, there's that part at the end, because his sons also, like, shoot a few, right, the eight-year-old shot mm-hmm. a few soldiers, and then, like, Gabriel also, like, fights a little mm-hmm. bit as much as he can. But there's a part where he takes that last soldier and he just keeps, like, hitting. Dude, he and literally hitting and chopped hitting. the dude to bits. Like, like that was fucking was mince. Pulp. It was mince meat. <laughs> it had to have been. Like, he and, just, he... and his children are standing there in horror Horrified. watching their father take a tomahawk and just stab over and over again until it was just a mush like that british soldier was just a mush that man didn't like i i know that he was following orders but come on dude like yeah you just you just did a bunch of war crimes (laughs) yeah war crimes which don't matter in this movie um so after this they end up going to their aunt charlotte's and, um, fun fact, uh, Aunt Charlotte's place is literally two blocks away from where I live. That's pretty fun. Um, it's actually really <laughs> nice. I've, uh, not that we, like, went there, went there, but Gracie pointed it out when I went to visit her a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's a private property. You're not allowed on it unless you're in a group tour. And so I've actually never seen it up close, despite living so close to it. Um, but you just have to get, like, 20 shots. people. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Um, so what ends up happening is, like, there's this scene that night where he's tucking his kids into bed, and the one kid is like, I'm glad I killed him. The same one who was like, Lord knows what they'll do to you women. Like, the child is I'm su- fucked I'm, up. I'm surprised that one of the children didn't <laughs> he's take out a- cats. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm surprised one of the children didn't reach up with, like, a handkerchief and wipe the blood off his father's face. Because, like, there was a lot of blood on Mel Gibson's face. I'm, I'm just saying, his, like, middle son is probably strangling cats, okay? He's, he's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he's a straight up serial killer. Like, uh, that's the thing. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad I killed them. You are 12, sir. (laughs) Yeah, like, you're gonna, you're gonna go into the War of 1812 and cause horrific crimes. (laughs) Yeah, you're ready. You're, which which I have to say, why is there no great American story about the War of 1812? Oh, that's right. Stalemate? (laughs) Because, yeah, it was a stalemate, except that we won most of the bottles. That's right. And um, Thomas Jefferson went, oh, we can simply walk into Canada and it would be fine. They would <laughs> gladly rejoice and go, yes, take us over. Except that we went, 
fuck that. We we know all about you, and we do not want that shit in here. Just kind of like how we're doing right now with closing our border. <laughs> um. So then Benjamin goes into his like next to youngest son, and like that child is absolutely fucking terrified of him, fucking terrified, and. Uh, honestly, I would be too. So then he goes downstairs and he sees that Gabriel is dressing up and leaving for, for battle. And he's like, no, you can't do that. If you do that, you're going to make all your other, you know, you're going to cause more death. He basically blames Thomas, blames Gabriel for Thomas's death because, you know, it would have never happened if you hadn't joined the army, that kind of thing. I don't know, man. You, like, mushed somebody's head with a fucking tomahawk. Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know who's the one in the actual wrong here, but, like, come on, Dad. <laughs> yeah, like, and Gabriel's like, I joined the army. I am not going to be a deserter. It is my duty to fight. And then Benjamin's like, that's horseshit. You're my son. You're my son. Yeah, but Gabriel leaves anyway. So what does Ben do? He decides to leave and leave all the children in Charlotte's care so he can go and protect his son from the war, elements of war. Uh, And that's the other thing, too. So Gabriel has, because of course he does, he has a love interest who... Uh, at one point, you know, like, uh, she was kind of, like, thrown in there. Like, she's barely she's in it. so unnecessary, So unnecessary. Honestly. There's a part where she goes in there and she, like, says a great speech. And, like, all the men are like, yes, the woman talked. Very good. Yes. And it's like. Oh, she still can't vote. <laughs> yeah, she still can't vote. Like, and, and also the fact that they had women in there, like. Also not historically accurate. Women would not be in a chamber of commerce when they're trying to levy a vote. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, as I appreciate their little subtleties of feminism, but, this like, try to be so historic. Like, get fucked, okay? Try to be historically <laughs> accurate here, okay? Men were trashed to women for a very long time, and they still are. And white men, and white men were super trashed to black people and yeah. didn't free their slaves like that. I'm just saying. Um, so... Anyway, Benjamin catches up with Gabriel at the Battle of Camden, and then they head on uh, to wherever Burwell is, and basically Burwell tells uh, Benjamin, you can be in charge of a militia, right? Like, you're not going to be technically in the army, because militias don't have to, you know, apply the same rules as the army do. So Benjamin's like, yeah, that's cool. I'll be in charge of the militia. And so it's up to him and Gabriel to recruit men. And this is also where we meet uh, Villain Venu, who is the Marquis de Lafayette stand-in, which is funny because he's a 40-year-old man and the Marquis de Lafayette was not even 22. Yep. <laughs> like... He was young. He was, he was like... He was he was a baby. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's, what's so funny about all of these historical films, right. Is like all of the main hero characters, uh, quote unquote hero characters, um, are always played off as like 40 and 50 year old dudes. But the truth is most of the revolutionaries who made a difference were under 30. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Like they, Uh, that's the thing that like we don't tend to remember I guess 
is the fact that like these were like very young men. Uh, like when it when it comes to the Revolutionary War, right? Like, well, it's the same with World War Two, right? Like, all the movies revolve around guys who are in their late thirties, early forties, when most World War Two cadets and officers were under twenty five. Like, like, they were babies. They they were they were young men. <laughs> like, so it's just funny to me how history looks on, and they're like, oh, well, you know, young people don't know shit, and it's like, young people are the reason the revolutions happen. Yeah. So. Well, well, exactly. Like, either revolutions or, uh, like, they're the ones that uh, are called up they're to the actually go and fight. They're the ones who actually do the work while the politicians, mm. like, are able to sleep at night. Yeah, good for them. Um, Which, I don't know, it just makes me so pissed off because it's old men sending young men to war, and it's like... It's always old men who also don't have to worry about their own sons being sent off to war. They're sending the poor kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> It's the poor kids. Yeah, it's it's the poor kids that have to go to war, and because they're, like, when you're fucking dirt poor... There is Especially not many... in a super capitalistic society. Yeah. You don't have opportunities. You don't have opportunities. And that's, if you want to get out of, like, poverty, the uh, one way to do that is to join the military. For sure. Yep. I know a lot of guys that ended up joining the military right after high school just so they could go through um, and get their college degree and then ended up having to give, like, between seven and ten years of service to the military during war times. You have to sacrifice your body and health and emotional well-being in order to graduate from college because it's so expensive that you can't afford it. But, you know, capitalism is amazing. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, cause the idea of having to go into extreme debt to go into, you know, school, like, that's that's crazy. Well, like, that's, that's the what, American dream. That's the American dream is to go into thousands of dollars of debt uh, and have to live the rest of your life trying to pay off that debt. It's true. Yeah, Anyways, um, so I just wanted to mention Marquis de Lafayette's real age since they have a 40-year-old guy playing his stand-in. Uh, anyway, Villain Venu goes with uh, Martin to this seedy little place that looks like the ugly, the snuggly duckling from Tangled. <laughs> it's true, I did. I have a dream. I have a dream. Um, yeah. I have a dream to kill redcoats. But, um, but yeah, it basically is like the worst piece of shit pub that you've ever seen in your entire life. And then, and then Villain Venu's like, are you sure we are at the right place? And so Martin goes, God save King George. And they nearly kill him. Um, and then they're, you know, conscripting people in. They're getting people to sign up to join the militia. You've got, like, the one guy that has the cute red-headed kid who's like, I'm gonna kill some red coats. And, you know, because gingers have no souls because, so they're perfectly okay with killing people. I say this as a ginger. And then... <laughs> and then you have... He was. Um, and then you have this white guy who comes up and he's like, well, I'm too old to do it, but uh, you can have my black guy here. Oh, uh, so sakes. he basically forces his slave to be conscripted into the army in his place. But Martin, being the woke man that he is, is like, you don't have to join unless you sign your name to this document. Well, I can't write. Well, that's okay. Uh, make your mark. So Occam makes his mark. 
And even though Benjamin was real woke about it, he still would have been forced to join because his owner signed him up for it. But yeah, and Occam is one of those characters that do not get any screen time and yet is supposed to represent slavery. I don't know. Then we get like one guy who's super racist. His character in general, right? Like basically the whole subplot is he's dealing with racism within the the army and there's one particular guy that's just like a super racist and like by by the end of it he's like we're brothers in arms i'm no longer racist racism solved uh, turn down for what (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so dumb uh so anyway after you know they join up we basically start seeing um them taking on more guerrilla warfare to outsmart general colin cornwallis and uh uh tavington mm-hmm. colonel colonel tavington um this this is where i don't particularly care about the movie like yeah battle happens there's a talk battle happens there's a talk Nothing huge happens as far as character development, um, so I don't feel like it's worth mentioning. It's pretty forgettable, honestly. Yeah. Uh, they do end up finding Lord Cornwallis's personal effects and, like, taking the dogs, and there's that joke about how dog tastes good. Oh my god, I know. Um, and I had dollop flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you guys listen to the dollop, which... I'm pretty sure we we have mentioned them before. But oh, how many every, times have we mentioned them? Every time the dollop does an episode on how there was a plane crash or a boat crash or people stranded somewhere, the dogs and the horses are the first to get eaten, you know? <laughs> Apparently dog and horse taste really good when you have nothing else to eat. Well, um, it's either that or the people, and people are stringy, apparently. Yeah. Oh, apparently there was, like, one part in the movie where Benjamin and a couple of the other militiamen are, like, indiscriminately killing British soldiers who are asking for quarter and surrendering. And then Gabriel's like, Dad, this is wrong. And Ben's like, you're absolutely right, son. We won't do it anymore. (laughs) Like, it's so stupid. That's the thing. There's, like, so many parts where, like... It doesn't matter. Like, it's ooh. Gunshots. Um, yeah. And, like, there's just so many, like, fighting parts. Like, this is a long-ass movie, and most yeah. of it is just, like... Most of the story takes place at the very beginning and then at the very end. Because what's in the middle is just a lot of battle sequences. The main conflict is Tavington, um, like, wanting to find out who the ghost is. And then he discovers that the ghost is Benjamin Martin. But this is after some uh, soldiers get... Uh, taken like in a skirmish and martin comes in and he's able to like barter with cornwallis it's so stupid cornwallis who is a military genius this is not a a historically accurate thing by the way but um he comes in he's like yeah so we have like 20 colonels and a lieutenant and one guy one fat colonel who called me a Cheeky fellow. Cheeky fellow. Cheeky fellow. Oh my god, we couldn't stop saying that. You're like, it was so stupid. His delivery was awful. That's another thing. Mel Gibson in this. Mel Gibson in. 
Let me finish my thought. Mel Gibson in this movie is, like, tonally off. Like, he doesn't have any real emotion. And then when he does have emotion... It's over the top. Over the top, yeah. It's just... Like, okay, so he rescues his militiamen from being hung. And they're leaving. And Tavington is like, oh, so you're the ghost, are you? Um, And he's like, did he die, that boy and that pitiful farm? And then, like, Mel Gibson just turns around and walks up to him. And he's like, real stone cold, nothing in his eyes, no emotion. Before this war is over, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And then he walks away after whistling for the dog's... And then the dogs follow after him. So I just, I don't know. Um, so anyway, they end up discovering that Tavington is now targeting their families. They're able to rescue Charlotte and the children um, and bring okay. them to this island, um, which is a mutiny island. And if you don't know what a mutiny island is, it's basically where escaped slaves and Native Americans created societies together in freedom away from the mainland. So we um, talked a little bit about this in one of our other episodes. Daughters of the Dust. Yeah. Which is uh, setting place on one of these islands. So they get here and of course it's, you know, basically like a Creole culture, right? Like it's a lot of African uh, influence and everything like that. Oh no, it's straight up it's it straight up says like it's Gullah. Yeah. So um here come these like eight white people and they just uh, you know, walking along the beach and uh, Abigail, who was the uh, Mammy Mammy figure, sees them and approaches them and gives them all great big hugs. And she welcomes them with open arms. Now, Benjamin, of course, has freed slaves. Charlotte does not. Charlotte is a slave-owning woman. Yeah. She owns her slaves. She doesn't have freed slaves. And yet Abigail accepts her with open arms and doesn't hate her at all. And there's no tension whatsoever between this white lady who owns people and a black woman who is free. Well, obviously, because, you know, they are, of course, good white people that deserve to be taken care of by this settlement. Yeah. And, like, Abigail just accepts them and then everybody's okay with it. And this is where um, the subplot with uh, Gabriel and Anne comes in where Anne shows up and then Gabriel and Anne get married and I have to say the best thing about this wedding scene is the extras in the background (laughs) who are like I can't believe we're getting paid to just stand around and watch these two white people get married because literally the only black person with any name and any speaking lines in this entire scene is Abigail no one else on that island speaks. Yep. I, and They're that's the other thing, props. too. There is, like, this other subplot because um, Abigail, or not Abigail, sorry, Anne's father was, uh, like, uh, in the French and Indian War, and, like, all the men from Abigail's town all went to fight, uh, mm-hmm. even the, like, 
they all had to, there was like that speech by Anne where she was like, are you not men? Like yeah. essentially. And then they were like, yeah, you're right. We should go and fight because a woman mm-hmm. said so. We're cowards if we don't. And it was like, okay. <laughs> God so damn woke. it. So woke, you guys. So woke. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Anne and Gabriel getting married and, you know, they're having a good old time. They get a honeymoon. But there's also a subplot between Ben and Charlotte. Now, Charlotte is Ben's dead wife. Ben, his dead wife, it's her sister, right? So this is his sister-in-law. Now, if you love history like I do, you would know that in Tudor England, uh, under Catholicism, you could not marry your in-law if the brother or sister died because it would be considered incest. And so I find the relationship just a little weird. Um, like, and we don't, and we don't know Charlotte's story. Like, obviously, she's a widow, right? Because she yeah. owns her own property. You couldn't do that unless you were a widow. And right? I guess she has no children either. And she has no natural children, but she does end up having a kid at the end of the movie. Like, she's got an infant. So I guess the husband she did have couldn't give her one. Like, because she's an older woman, right? She's in her mid-30s, early to mid-30s. Well, I'm looking up how old. uh... Okay, yeah, so she would have been, like, 35 when, yeah, like, the actress was playing her. Yeah, so, like... You know, she's in charge of her own estate. She's widowed, obviously, even though it doesn't say so. Like, she has no backstory. Yeah. I'm just getting the impression that she was based on her age and everything. Okay, yeah. Um, so, I agree. I, I With, like, the fact that this is gross. Like, it's she, just weird. Yeah, she like, she sh- looks a lot like her sister. I, it's, it's just... It's, I don't know. I don't like it. I just feel like it's a weird relationship. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, imagine for, like, a moment, right? Like, you loved your wife. You had seven children with her. Maybe more. We're not sure. And then she she passes away. Devastating. Right? Right. You've and then, been together with this woman for at least... 15 years when she dies yeah if not yeah at least 15 years so like there was a whole like life there right and then you're like she's been dead for a couple years and her younger sister comes along and you're like hmm this woman is taking care of my children while i'm off fighting well, you know what that means. Wife gotta material. Wife material. Gotta get married and put a baby in that. Yeah, and I'm also assuming she's a widow because they fuck <laughs> yes. without getting married. So, um, a man of principle and morals such as Benjamin Martin would never uh, deflower a woman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming she's a widow. Again, None of the women in this movie have any real backstory. So oh, no, we're just, like we're just speculating. They honestly have no like there's really nothing to yes. the female characters in this movie. So, um yeah, the worst the worst of it is, right? So they everybody's happy, everybody gets married, it falls in love, and then Benjamin and Gabriel leave to go back to fighting in the war, 
Well, they end up, Anne ends up leaving the safety of that island with her family, and they return back to their hometown. When they get there, Tavington is there. And he, you know, has everybody go into the church. And then he's like, all right, it's well known that this town harbors rebels. So you guys are going to tell me where Benjamin Martin has his camp, or we're going to, you know, you're going to die. And at first, nobody says anything. And then finally, this one guy is like, oh, well, they're at the Spanish mission, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, And Tavington's like, oh, cool. And then he forces everyone into the church, locks the doors, chains the doors shut, closes the shutters. And then he turns to, uh, what's his name? Captain Wilkins, who was an American who joined the British forces. Who is played by... One of the the Baldwins. Adam Baldwin. Which one is that? There's like so many of them. Adam Baldwin. It's that that Baldwin. Is that the Um, one that... um, Isn't his daughter Haley? No. No, no, it's not that one. He was in Independence Day in Full Metal Jacket and Serenity. Oh, yeah. He was also in Firefly. Like, that was his... Yeah. So... Anyway, um, he's told by Tavington to burn down the church. He's not related. He's not related to the Baldwin brothers. Oh, how about that? Yeah, he's he's the one who kind of looks like a Baldwin, but But actually isn't. Yeah, maybe they're like cousins distantly or something. No, like they're Um, not even from the same area. Holy shit! Well, my bad. Anyway, uh, he gets told by Tavington to burn the church. And he's like, but sir, there are women and children in that church. And Tavington goes, didn't you tell me that anyone who helps uh, against the crown deserves to die a traitor's death? And so Wilkins sets fire to the church with a couple of the other officers and everybody in the church burns up and dies. So here comes Benjamin Martin and Gabriel and all the rest of the crew to the town and they're like, the town's empty. Where are they? And then they find out that everyone in that town was burned alive in the church. Now, this is another one of those things that did not happen. Except it did happen in World War Two when the Nazis did something similar to a French village. So this movie is equating British officers to Nazis. Yes. Which is a weird take. Like, I get it. The British suck, right? But ultimately, this war was about money. (laughs) And poor people were fighting because they thought they were going to get freedom from crony capitalism and colonialism. Yeah. And it's like... Well, that's a... I... For the longest time until somebody, like, mentioned that, like, hey, maybe that didn't happen, like, the church burning burning thing, like, I thought that actually happened. I was horrified by that scene. Like, that was a horrifying take. And And it's a cartoonishly evil take of Tavington's character. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, Tarleton, historically, did some terrible shit. But they make Tavington so grossly evil. Okay, I I know I've mentioned this before, but a great villain is a villain who has depth 
and who has motivations that you could possibly even like stand with. For example, Black Panther, right? Killmonger is one of those greatly written villains who has a backstory, who has motivations that you might even find yourself agreeing with, just not with the motivation of how he's going about changing it. Mm -hmm. Like, that makes a great villain when you have dynamics. Yes. Tavington has nothing. He's literally just evil dude. And it makes the whole plot so weak by having him be just this evil evil character with no depth who's only in it because he wants a plot of land in Ohio. And I mean, why would you want to go to Ohio? Like, no Cedar Point doesn't even exist at this point. Why would you want to go? Cedar Point? That's in a place... (laughs) Yeah. Cedar Um, Point is in Sandusky, Ohio. I know my geography. I know. I was going to say, like, in Sandusky, but, like, that name's been tarnished. So, um, yeah, you're right. Like, it's in Cedar Point's, like, not even there. And, like, (laughs) what's the point? Like, nothing good is in... a swing state? So sorry. Like, even people in Ohio... We are like, no, don't come here. We have Cedar Point now, so like, okay. I just just make these jokes because around here, if we have something called, uh, we we like to call y'all FIFOs. And if you don't know what a FIFO is, it's a fucking idiot from Ohio. (laughs) Because when you guys retire, you come here. (laughs) So we call you FIFOs. I, I'm just saying, it's just a, like a traditional regional oh, rivalry. Oh my god. I, I am shook. <laughs> like, what? Um, You've never heard of Fafos? Well, you know what? I'm sure that people in Florida say the same thing about uh, fucking snowbirds. Because, like, honestly, fuck snowbirds. They're the yeah, worst. Yeah, like, you, you, you make all your money and then you come and retire here because the property taxes are lower and it just makes the beach so crowded. Yeah, and then, like, you also have to think, too, uh, it's nice that you guys get to retire because our generation will never be able to True. retire. True. My FIFO, my FIFO comment is only for the boomers who have money that come here and retire after after they've made all their money that I'll never see. Yeah. It's not talking about my generation of millennials or the Zoomers. Zoomers. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. This. Gen Zers. Uh. So yeah, this is a stupidly cartoonishly evil thing that did not happen, but somehow manages to equate. British officers with Nazism. So Gabriel, after everybody is buried, decides to go after Tavington in revenge. And then he ends up getting killed in the stupidest way possible because he shoots Tavington. And instead of going and like going on with his life, like I shot the bastard, time to go home. He's like, no, I'm going to be just like my dad and make sure he's dead. I'm going to cut him to a bloody pulp. Oh so my god, I'm surprised over. he didn't come out with a tomahawk and mince the guy's back of the head like his dad did. Yeah, so Gabriel walks over there to him, goes to strike, and then all of a sudden Tavington turns around, blade up, and Gabriel falls on the blade, and there's a 30 second dying scene of him just going, uh, uh, uh. 
Okay, so like that's the other thing too, right? Is um like I understood why his son had to die because his wife died. So of course the guy's gonna die because you can't have like a woman die without her, you know unless love. Yeah, unless she's a widow that was dead way before the actual plot happened. Right, right, right. So he, he dies avenging his love and he's not able to avenge his love like he wanted. And, uh, yeah. Uh, no, daddy's gonna do it. Uh, so the end, <laughs> the ending of Gabriel's life is him going, oh, I'm sorry about Thomas. Those are the last words he spoke. And then Martin's like, no, it, was, it wasn't your fault, son. It was mine. Please don't leave. And then Gabriel dies. Very, very nicely, though. Like, on-screen death is hard to do without being, like, comedic about it. Like, I remember watching a Serrano de Bergenac adaption where the dude literally just, like, fell over in that dramatic, stupid way. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, when you fake die. Like, at least this felt realistic. Like, he's just, like, giving shuddering breaths, and then his eyes are still open, and then he's not breathing anymore. I feel like that's super realistic. What's not realistic is Mel Gibson as Benjamin Martin <laughs> overacting his grief. Oh, my God. He's been this stone-cold dude the whole time, and now suddenly he's... Like, <laughs> you didn't even cry all that much when you're second son died there there were no tears either there were no tears in his eyes okay this was like this entire movie like watching it Mel Gibson is not a very good actor like I, at I all. did not get that impression at all like, like and I've seen his version of Hamlet which is surprisingly good but this is not peak Gibson. I don't no. know what it is. No, like it was. Um, I think this is where he like, this was the time where like raging alcoholic. <laughs> well, this is the time where like he he was a big name. Like he was an A lister. Lethal weapon, one... you guys. Yeah, because cops are funny. Well, I mean, it was a follow the rules. That does not age well. Um, and the all um, the other thing too, like you know do. what. I said none of those, none of those, uh, none of those cop buddy movies age well. No, honestly. not at all. <laughs> not even oh, Die inept, Hard. Inept, co- inept cops that don't follow the rules. Oh, so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So Gabriel's dead. Yeah, Gabriel's dead. It sucks. Um, and so at first we think Benjamin's just gonna go home. Right? Like, you know, he's he's laying there with Gabriel dead in front of him, going, that's it. I'm done. I'm going back to my children. I'm tired of this war. I don't want to see it anymore. And then fucking What's-His-Face comes in, and he's like, yeah, but, like, you should avenge your son's death, though. That's the other thing, too. His other buddy from before, like, his, uh, his wife and child died. Like, the red-headed child that was like, I want to kill some redcoats. Like, that Yeah, and dead. so he, like, literally killed himself. Like, yeah, like, he, just... he shot himself in the head. They were like, no, yeah. don't do it! And he, like, did it, it, and bang. it was like, oh, okay. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, definitely a horrific thing to watch. But, yeah, so Burwell's like, yeah, you should avenge your son's death. So, we get to the battle of... 
Cowpens? Yep. The Battle of Cowpens. Um, which, when this battle starts, one of the things we really haven't touched on is Occam's growth, character growth, quote unquote. It's not really that. Occam finds out that after a year of service, if he serves the Continental Army, then he will be freed. Um, and at this point, uh, the racist uh, Mr. Scott is like, oh, it's October now. You're free. Y'all, the Battle of Cowpens didn't take place in October. It took place in fucking January. <laughs> what yeah. a small, indiscriminate, small thing that you could have gotten right and didn't. <laughs> like, yep. January 1789. I'm just, I'm disappointed. Damn, that was uh, a long war. 1789. No. Yeah, it was a 10, it was, uh, it was like 15 years. No, the battle, the battle of Cowpens was, uh, 1781. You're right, my bad. I meant 1781. 1789 is, I, I'm on Hamilton brain, that's why I said that. 1781, because Yorktown was also 1781. Yes. Jesus Christ, Gracie, get it fucking together. That's okay, when so the war ended. That's true. Yes, 1789, I think, was like the continent, uh, the, the constitution was finalized. My bad. Something like that. I don't know. Fucking hell. I've lost it. But I do know that the Battle of Cowpens was in January of the last year of the war. Like, within the last six months. So, it was the deciding turning point. And then, like, Occam's like, oh, yeah, now I'm free. And, like, okay. Yeah. So, then the British appear to have the upper hand until Benjamin rallies the troops forward against their lines and Tavington rushes to attack him. The two of them fight. Like, there's a bunch of wounds. Uh, Benjamin, like, is, you know, he... It appears that Tavington has the upper hand and that, you know, he's going to win. But then at the last second, Benjamin dodges the attack, stabs Tavington, avenging his son's death. And the battle is the continental victory. Cornwallis sounds the retreat. Um, I have to say this because I don't know if Robert Redat ever read Outlander, but it gave me real... Uh, Jamie versus what's his Randall vibes? Like, oh, you really cannot tell me that <laughs> this was not partially like inspired by Outlander. Like, absolutely, it was. This is Jamie Fraser versus Randall. Like, when they were casting for Outlander, I immediately, like, when I was reading Outlander before they started making casting announcements, I was thinking Jason Isaacs in my head for. Frank as like you know. I mean I feel like he's a little bit too old at this point to but then again how old's uh, Tobias Menzies? Um I don't know. I think they're around the same age. I think um I think uh, Jason Isaacs is a little bit older but Oh yeah he's 57. Yeah. Like he's he could still pass as a younger guy. He recently did a TNT TV show or something like that so you know, he's still, he's still kicking it. Uh, but yeah, like, that's who I thought of when I was reading Outlander was Jason Isaacs in this movie in particular because of the uniform and everything. So I just thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> he definitely had, like, that, um, Jason Isaac definitely has that more, 
you know, uh, I am ashamed to say how sexually attracted I am to Jason Isaacs, despite the fact that he never plays the good guy. He is a bad man. He was also in uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Not the movie, the TV show. Okay. He was also in, um, was that him in, uh, God, was he in, in, uh, what's the name of the movie? Apollo 13? Was he in Apollo 13? No, he just looks a lot like the guy that plays Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What? He wasn't. It was, I messed up. He does not look like, what? I I have always got those two confused. Don't ask me why, but I have. Oh, he was Captain Hook in the 2003 Peter Pan again. Um, yeah, I I don't know what it is about Jason Isaacs. It's his accent. I know what it is, and those really really pretty blue eyes. Oh, it's he has straight up like very atten- intense eyes. It's the intensity. That's yeah. what it is. Whew. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the movie ends with victory and uh, Benjamin and his children and his new wife, Charlotte, go back to the farm to rebuild it. And, you know, there's this scene where Occam is standing there next to Scott, who's now a woke guy who doesn't, you know, think racism is a thing anymore. And he's like, yeah, Gabriel spoke about how, you know, this was a new world of freedom. And it's so idealistic. And it's just like... It's black people not... weren't... Like, black people weren't freed for like another 90 years. Yeah. Also, I just love the fact that um, considering South Carolina's population was like 40 to 50% black at this point in time because of slavery, it's funny to me how many fucking white people there are in it. Not to mention, y'all, we, we're doing Hamilton. You, you know, like, you, you guys can listen to our Hamilton episode on Disney Dives. We can talk about John Lawrence. Mm-hmm. John Lawrence fought a majority of his time in South Carolina. He has yep. never mentioned. His black battalion is never mentioned. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. only other, like, the only historical figure besides Cornwallis that's really talked about as far as a military leader is Gates, is General Gates. So it's just like, wow. Well, that's the thing. Even George Washington isn't, like, we see a glimpse of him, right? When, At uh, Valley Forge. Yeah. Like, when Gabriel is you know, uh, up in the north, freezing to mm-hmm. death. Yeah, he managed to survive Valley Forge. Good on him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's the movie. It ends, I guess, satisfactory. No, it um, doesn't. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I just, it was hard finding a, I'm reading the trivia. Um, it was hard finding a swamp for filming. The production rented out a botanical garden and flooded it. I live, like, five minutes away from a swamp. It's okay. Um, The other thing, too, is, like, when they mentioned, like, the script in general, it was, like, the idea of, like, the character William Wallace, which Gibson portrays in Braveheart, 
right? Martin is a man seeking to live his life in peace until revenge drives him to lead a cause against a national enemy after the life of an innocent family member is taken. It's basically Braveheart, but, like, America. It really is. Like, there's one scene where he's giving, like, this rousing speech to his his militia, and I'm like, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. <laughs> like, it reads the same. Oh, also, the thing I wanted to mention about Occam's thing before we get into the actual trivia is Occam was part of the militia, right? Um, militia is not standing army, so technically, Occam didn't win his freedom after serving the militia for a year because he wasn't conscripted into the army. Oh, that's unfortunate. So, uh, yeah. He's still a slave, unfortunately. Anyway. Uh, Gross. Yep. Okay, so this is interesting. Joshua Jackson, Elijah Wood, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, Brad Renfro, Paul Walker, Ryan Philippe, and Heath Ledger were all considered to play Gabriel. And it ended up coming down to Ryan Philippe and Heath Ledger. And I'm looking at this cast list and I can see every single one of them except for Paul Walker in this in this uh, role. Well, I cannot see Paul Walker as, as no. Gabriel Martin at all. He's got too much of a like surfer dude vibe. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. He, he was a surfer dude kind of dude. Um, but man, Joshua Jackson, I think would have done great in it. I love Joshua I, I like Jackson. Jo I, I love Joshua Jackson too. Ryan Philippe, also a really great choice. He's in one of my favorite movies, um, called, uh, Cruel Intentions. Yeah, that one. But also, <laughs> okay. uh, oh God, now I can't remember the name. Stop Loss, uh, that has Channing Tatum in it. It's a really good, like, anti-war movie. I really like him in that. Um. It's so funny because, like, he was married to, of course, you know. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, right? Who is currently in a TV show with Joshua Jackson, <laughs> who plays oh, man. who plays her husband in that TV show. That's uh, oh, Little is Fire it, um, Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah. yeah, that's a movie about that's a TV show about racism. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, they decided to go with Heath Ledger because he apparently possessed exuberant youth, and my God, he looks like a baby in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, like well, this was before. A Knight's Tale, which I feel like A Knight's was Tale was his, starter. like, yeah, that was, like, his breakout role. Well, no, Ten and Things I Hate About You was also, like, he he went big where he was just in, like, well, a ton of movies. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing, right? Like, he didn't want to play heartthrobs, no. right? He didn't want to do the heartthrob thing. He wanted real serious acting roles. Mm -hmm. And so he was, like, literally about to quit acting. And then they're like, hey, do you want to try out for this? And he did. And then he got the part. Like, so the Patriot is the reason he continued acting. And what's so crazy is he passed away in 2007. This movie came out in 2000. So... From this point until 2007, look at the amount of work he was able to accomplish. Oh, like, yeah. He, oh, man, it's so crazy when you think about it, like how little of a time he actually did and how much of an impact on filming he, he made. Like, he chose his roles very well. It's really so. unfortunate that he, um, yeah, it, it's... Yeah, I guess it's just, it's pretty just unfortunate that, like, he passed away so soon, because you know that he would have 
like continued on and would have been like absolutely amazing. He he was he he was honestly one of the like best actors like of the time when he died. And it's such a pity. He was at the height of his career. He he only had up to go, I think. Dark Knight was going to cement him. And then uh, he ended up passing away. So So, Aunt Charlotte's house is the same one used in Forrest Gump with slightly different interior paneling. And the Stonehenge visible in Forrest Gump is camouflaged with bushes in this film. Hmm. So, and that was the house down the road from Gracie's place. Yeah, exactly. Um, My favorite thing that I've read on the trivia page is that Harrison Ford declined the role that was given to Mel Gibson because... He felt the script had boiled the Revolutionary War down to a one-man's-revenge melodrama. And I mean... Is he wrong? Harrison Ford looked at that script, a man who has done stupid movies like Patriot Games and Air Force One, and went, nah, I'm good. (laughs) 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 The script sucks. It really does. Um, Uh... Uh, also, Benjamin Martin's talent for recruiting men was based on Thomas Sumter, who was known as the Gamecock, which the Gamecocks, USC Gamecocks, they suck at football, but they, they're they really great at baseball. And that's America's sport. Um, that's our team. <laughs> um, also, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this. Okay. <sighs> Kevin Spacey was the first choice to play Tavington. After paying Mel Gibson $25 million, there was not enough in the budget to pay him. So that's the reason why he's not Tavington. Oof. That would have been two problematic actors. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Um. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. So apparently... Jolie Richardson used Scarlett O'Hara, Vivian Lee Scarlett O'Hara, as inspiration for her role as Aunt Charlotte. I did not. I see don't it. see it at all. Like, I at don't all. see it at all. I'm looking at that line, going, "Really? Like you just kind of just gave me colonial woman vibes. You didn't give me headstrong." Uh, do anything to survive vibes. And, like, you're a good actress. Like, she's not a bad actress. I tell you what the problem is. This movie was not about women at all whatsoever. No, it's, no. It's, this... It is literally what Harrison Ford said it is. One man revenge melodrama. Like, yeah. It, that is the most I mean, succinct way to, to review this film. I mean, isn't that, though, like, a lot of uh, Roland Emmerich movies? Like, don't get me wrong, because Roland Emmerich like, he's not a bad dude. I mean, he's not, like, conservative or whatever. Oh, he's... my God. Logan Lerman was in this movie. Okay. Logan Lerman. He was in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He plays the youngest boy. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's a kid who does uh, Percy Jackson. Yeah. See, that's, I didn't. I didn't know that. I don't so even know cool. who he is. Oh man, I love Logan Lerman. He, he. I hope he stays unproblematic. <laughs> okay, so that's the other thing, right? Is like, Roland Emmerich is not like super successful. Not that bad of a dude, right? But he does like 
have these movies that are very like one man can do, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's some trivia about him. I didn't know that he was openly gay and is an active campaigner for the LGBT uh, community. Good for him. And the reason why he cast Will Smith in Independence Day was because he wanted to have some diversity in, like, he wanted to put diversity into it. And it was the same with um, how he had an interracial couple in The Day After Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Was because, like, he wanted to, like, try to put something in there, which, I mean, I guess, like, okay. Uh... And I, like, I mean, 90s? So, okay, but, like, uh, that must have been, like, really hard for him to try to, like, be like, yeah, let's put, you know, this couple that's interracial. And they're like, yeah, but, like, we want a white couple. And he's like, but... (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the rest of this month, honestly. Like... Roland Emmerich is one of those, like I said, he's a director who directs bad movies, but bad movies in the sense that they're still fun. Like, Independence Day is not a good movie. Are we doing... It's a fun watch. Are we doing 2012? No. We're doing White House Down the day after tomorrow, because you you told me the day after tomorrow. We're doing that. And you wanted to also do Anonymous. So if you want to chuck Anonymous out, for 2012. I thought, isn't there like five months? Five months? <laughs> God, I couldn't. There isn't five months worth of material. No, there's only four four Tuesdays this month, Ashley. No! No, I wanted to do 2012. I, think I thought, be so okay, we'll end, we'll end up doing a whole month of just disaster movies at some point, okay? And then 2012's involved. Because I actually think that's what this movie, this month started out as before the pandemic hit, and then we changed things around to... As per usual. Yeah, to loosen it up. Um, so, does this movie pass any tests? No. Not at all. <laughs> nope. Zero. Um, it, it it's, it's really racist. It's, it's unseemly in its racism because it makes out... It, it basically erases the black experience in favor of oh, black people and white people got along, except for this one racist guy who learns the error of his ways. Yep. So yeah, it does not pass any test. Um, It is not a good movie. There are parts that I like, but I don't like the movie. Like, one of my favorite scenes is when they blow up the ship and that woman is like, fireworks! Like, (laughs) it's so funny to me. And just, like, the part at the end where Valen Venu is wearing this pristine white and blue outfit and he's like, if I die, I will die well-dressed. Like, I don't know why that scene is so funny to me. It's the most memorable scene in the movie. Like... And that's it. Like, eh, I, yeah. I could care less. I, I, not good. No. It's not. Um, next week, we're gonna do White House, White House Down. Down. <laughs> yeah, which I just recently watched this movie, and I fucking love it. It's Die Hard, but the White House. So, yeah. which one is that one? Huh. Okay, because there was, like, a few of it. Is it the one with uh, Gerard Butler? Is it the other one with Channing oh, Tatum? 
Uh, it's the Channing Tatum one. The Gerard oh. Butler one sucks ass. Okay, like, what good. I've down to me is the good one of those two. Oh, the same okay. Plot. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm, I'm happy about this because I've seen the other one with Gerard Butler, and I I went to see this movie in theaters for some ungodly yes. reason with a guy <laughs> that I was seeing woman. at the time, and it was not good. We yeah. made fun of it the entire way home. It's so stupid. Um, so yeah, we're we're doing White House Down next next week. Um, so if you want to check us out on all of our socials, uh, we're we're supposed to be doing Twitch every weekend. So twitch.tv slash feminist critique pod until I can get it changed to Ashley and Gracie because we do Disney dives as well. We might <laughs> uh, we might not be on there for a little well, not that that matters. We'll be on there by this by point, the time but... this comes out. And if you wanna actually catch the podcast before it comes out, that's why you should watch the Twitch because um, when we're recording in advance on Twitch, you can watch it then. And it's before uh, the edited version, which I don't do that much. Edited, she doesn't edit this one. Um, but you can also check us out on Twitter at FeministPod. I am on Twitter at South of Grace. You can also email us, thefeministcriticpodcast at gmail.com, if you have any uh, suggestions or maybe you want to do a collab or cool with that, Ajeline. I'm also on Twitter as Ajeline, A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And then I do other stuff, I guess. Oh, yeah, I'm on another podcast sometimes. Uh, it's called Tiger Pops, and it is uh, a deep dive into the webtoon comic Midnight Poppyland, which is absolutely fantastic. So if you like comics and you like stories that have the mafia, but like also romance and like a super hot dude in it um yeah check it out because it's awesome awesome all right so we will see you guys next week also be sure to check out our other podcast disney dives so yeah uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave you guys here hope you have a fantastic week and i'll see you next time bye bye